back. Um, welcome to episode number five of the Deep Focus podcast, the uh, semi-regular, intermittent, sporadic, irregular uh, podcast hosted by yours truly, uh, Rodrigo Perez, the editor-in-chief of theplaylist.net. Um, my past guests in my infrequently recorded podcast are James Gray, Rebecca Hall, Catherine Hahn, and filmmaker Josh Trank, I guess with only like five episodes or whatever, it's not that hard to keep track of, although it kind of is for me. Um, my latest guest uh, is Aaron Sorkin, the writer and director of The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Also, he's obviously known for writing films like The Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs, Charlie Wilson's War. He's the writer and creator of The West Wing and The Newsroom, things like that. Um, unfortunately, I only had really had time to talk to um, Mr. Sorkin about um, the trial of Chicago Seven. For me, I, I find like I need like a good 40, 50 minutes to to really get what I'm after when I when I really want to get into the heart of the conversation, or you know, or at least that's what I think. So if I don't get that time, I usually pass on podcasts. Um, life also gets in the way, but you know, for this, I think ironically, uh, you know, uh, this, this Aaron Sorkin podcast is only 20 minutes long. Um, but like as David Fincher said way back in the day when, um, he was making the social network, um, the screenplay was like something like 275 pages, maybe 290 pages. And the studio was like, well, there's no way, um, you know, this is going to make it a two hour, two and a half hour movie. It's, you know, this is like three hour movie. It's too long. And Fincher was like, no, I don't think so. Like not, not, not if it's spoken and said at the cadence and pace of the way Aaron Sorkin talks and works and, and the way his mind and everything works. Um, and so, and he was right. He, 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 he did the whole, you know, 275 to 290 pages, however long it was in two and a half hours. He fit it all in there because everyone talks, you know, rat-a-tat-tat-tat, sort of like I am at this moment. But maybe that's a, not quite, but, you know, maybe I got 30 minutes of day, of Aaron Sorkin in real time. Um, or, or maybe that's just my excuse. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the trial of the, of the Chicago uh, 7 is the story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois in 1968. Um, it came out in September. You've probably seen it by now, um, hopefully. If not, um, you probably should, if only for just how the way it resonates um, so so much this year, you know, following, you know, comes out in September right on the heels of, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests, the civil unrest, um, the ideas of making your voice heard with protest and, 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 and forcing change through, through peaceful protest. Um, that's all a part of this movie. You know, all that is that bread and butter of, you know, I, one of the things that, that Aaron and I talked about a lot is just the timing is like impeccable. You could not have timed a movie like this better. And also ironic, given the fact that it was in, in development for like nine years and Steven Spielberg was going to make it originally and then got delayed and delayed and budgets and this and that. And, you know, and then Netflix eventually put pushes it and uh, put uh, puts it out in in uh, September of uh, 2020. Um, so you know, the, we had a, a, a nice little 20 minute chat chat about that, all that stuff, a, a lot about how um, the movie to me and and I think to him as well really represents some um, sort of the fragmentation of the Democratic Party in recent years. You know, the kind of like the um, 
the quote unquote radical left and, and maybe the more um, conservative or centrist Democrats. Um, you know, a lot of that is manifest spe- very, very uh, specifically in this movie through the characters of, uh, of Eddie Redmayne and, and Sasha Baron Cohen. The movie stars uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, Sasha Baron Cohen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Keaton, Frank Langella, John Carroll Lynch, Eddie Redmayne, Noah Robbins, Mark Rylance, Eric, Alex Sharp, and Jeremy Strong. We talked a little bit about Spielberg. Um, William William Goldman, who's one of his uh, the 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 great writer um, screenwriter uh, William Goldman, who's one of his mentors a little bit, um, you know, coming from a, a family of lawyers, which has influenced him because he's obviously some, done so many courtroom dramas, like you know, uh, A Few Good Men, as mentioned earlier. Uh, we talked a little bit, uh, briefly touched upon you know David Fincher and and the so called uh, Social Network sequel that he's talked about as well. Um, so it's, you know, I think it's, uh, it's short, but it's, uh, I think, it's, uh, a little dense and jam packed in there in that 20 minutes. This episode is brought to you by Nat Geo and Nat Geographic Documentary, Nat National Geographic Documentary Films' Rebuilding Paradise. Uh, if you don't know, Ron Howard's Rebuilding Paradise from National Geographic Documentary Films recounts the devastating fires of November 2018 when the city of Paradise, California was engulfed in flames. They were the deadliest U.S. fires in 100 years and the worst ever in California's history. Um, by the time they were distinguished, the fires had shattered the city with 85 people killed, 50,000 residents displaced, many without homes to return to, and 95% of local structures destroyed. Hailed by Variety is inspiring, and the Los Angeles Times is a stirring portrait, harrowing and heartrending. Rebuilding Paradise is most importantly the story of resilience in the face of tragedy as a community stricken by disaster comes together to recover and rebuild. For more information, visit natgeotv.com slash FYC. As always, the uh, Deep Focus is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes different podcasts like uh, Be Real, The Discourse, The Fourth Wall, and of course, the regular Playlist Podcast. Uh, We can be heard and found on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Um, You know, please rate, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening and, um, yeah, all, all of that in six minutes, which I thought would be a 15 minute, um, intro. So, you know, I, Aaron Sorkin that, um, this is my conversation with Aaron Sorkin about the trial of the Chicago seven. Thanks for listening. This is, is, uh, is really a, a great, an amazing piece of work. I, I just watched it again, uh, the other night. Oh, thanks very much. I really appreciate that. Um, tell me about, well, first of all, I mean, it's just, it's so uncanny to me the timing of this. Can you like tell me, uh, it's like you couldn't have paid to have planned this better. Uh, like the timing of this movie, it could fall in another time. And it's just crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. To, uh, uh, to me too, to, uh, to all of us, you know, we thought uh, that the film was plenty relevant when we were making it last winter. Um, you know, uh, Donald Trump was having, rallies where he was getting nostalgic about the good old days when we'd get that guy out of here on a stretcher and beat the crap out of him and punch him in the face. Uh, we didn't need the film to get more relevant, but it did uh, suddenly. Uh, I guess it was, I think it was in May that George Floyd uh, was killed. Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Arbery, there are protests in the streets and the protesters being met by tear gas and, uh, and nightsticks. Sometimes I'd watch CNN their coverage of the protests and think, you know, if you just degraded the color a little bit, it would look exactly like the footage that we use from 68. 
Yeah, it's um, you know, obviously got you've got all the uh, obviously the democratic struggle within. There's so many political rebels. Uh, and and that, that too. I'm, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm glad you brought oh, that no. up. The yeah. um, how the intramural struggle on the left uh, uh, is reflected between the between the left and the further left uh, in the relationship between Hayden and Hoffman. Absolutely. Uncannily so. I mean, if you would have, I mean, you guys started working on this back in like something like 2008, right? If you had 2006. So if you, this movie would have come out then you don't have that same, you don't have that same tension. The, 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 you know, the quote unquote radical left in the, in the, you know, uh, conservative middle or or whatever you want to call it of of Democrats, like that whole, it's so perfectly contained between Abby and Tom and, and you wouldn't have that back then. No, uh, when I started working on this in 2006, it was, I thought it was just a good story to tell. Mm. Um, uh, it seems though to have been on a 14 year collision course with, uh, with events. Right. Did you guys, you, the producers, Netflix, everybody like, you know, you're gearing up for this thing to come out in September and then you're watching these things happen this summer like what was what were you guys reaction like well we couldn't believe it i mean listen we we you know, i want to be clear we weren't happy uh, about it as i said we, we we thought it was relevant enough we we didn't need it to get uh more relevant uh we weren't happy about it but but we couldn't believe it so what is and, this movie oh sorry go ahead yeah, go ahead. I, but there were even uh, i've been asked if i changed the uh the script to kind of mirror events and sure. i didn't at all the, the 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 world changed to mirror the script um but there were even a couple of things that i thought were suddenly so on the nose just kind of inadvertently uh on the nose that maybe i should cut it like um when bobby is bound and gagged uh and the four lawyers uh, approach the bench because Joe Levitt's going to ask uh, for a mistrial for Bobby. Um, it's kind of a throwaway, but Kunstler turns to Bobby and says, can you breathe? Uh, and suddenly, you know, that um, the meaning of that it has multiplied. Yeah, that's really um, that scene. I mean, the movie is 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 really great, but that scene, it it uh, it takes a turn emotionally. Um, it does. The stakes just feel uh, so like, you know, my, I think every, I mean, my heart breaks, but I think everyone's hearts breaks in that moment for him and for the world then and the world now. It's true. And uh, I think a lot of the credit for your broken heart goes to Yaya. Right. He is uh, rather, yeah, he's transformational in this. He's, he's really incredible. Um, he is. I, I was going to ask, I mean, maybe it's, it's, it's thrown away now, but I was going to ask what the movie looked like in 2006 if Steven directs it versus now, but it sounds like maybe not that different, uh, other than different directors, maybe. Yeah, I think, um, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that Steven Spielberg is probably a better director than I am. Uh, uh, so, so I think it was, I think the film would have looked really good. Uh, uh, there's, there's no question about that, but, uh, but other than the, the world changing and its sudden and chilling relevancy, the other thing that was able to change about the film was it, the, the screenplay got better. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I wasn't writing to mirror events. I was just doing what a screenwriter does, which is 
constantly starting from the beginning and writing it again and writing it again and uh, and making it better. So, uh, so the 14 years really helped in that regard. Can you tell me a little bit about writing? Because we, we already touched upon it and it's one of my favorite parts of the film about the writing of, you know, Abby and Tom and their their fractious relationship, the way they come together lately, later in the film, that's a very moving point too. Can you tell me about all that and how, you know, in a little bit of detail and, and how it mirrors the, you know, our, our, I guess, as you said, our intramural struggle in, you know, on the left. Um, I find that stuff really yeah, sure. terrific. Uh, I think though, I'd have to start with, uh, with research, uh, sure. uh, how I researched the film. When back in 2006, when Stephen asked me, uh, uh, to write a movie about the Chicago Seven, uh, I said, uh, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And then uh, I, I left and I called my father and asked him who the Chicago Seven were. Um, I, I was just saying yes to doing a movie with Steven Spielberg. Uh, so I knew nothing and had to start from the beginning. And there are a dozen or so good books written about the Chicago Seven, some of them by the defendants. Uh, and there's the 21,000 page trial transcript. But the most critical part of the research was spending time with Tom Hayden, uh, who was, he passed away about roughly four years ago. Um, I was very much alive uh, back then. And I got to spend time with Tom and that's where I got the, the relationship with Abby uh, from. I wouldn't have been able to get that from the books or from the trial transcript. Uh, it, it was clear to me uh, that, Tom still harbored uh, some resentment toward Abby uh, uh, for, I, 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 it seemed like Tom felt that Abby had done damage to causes that are important uh, to Tom uh, and that Abby got more of the spotlight than he deserved uh, uh, for the event back then. So that was interesting to me. Uh, and I, uh, I, I, and I knew that I'd want to dramatize that. So there's the research period and then there's, there's the climbing the walls period, just the, 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 the pacing around trying to figure out what is the movie about? How, what's this going to look like? What's the beginning, the middle and the end? Uh, and it organized itself into three stories that I was going to tell at once. One was the courtroom drama. The other was the evolution uh, of the riot, how did what was supposed to be a peaceful protest turn into such a violent clash with the police and the National Guard? And the third was the more personal, more emotional story uh, uh, between Tom and Abby, two guys who can't stand each other. They each think that the other is uh, damaging the cause, uh, but in the end, they grow to respect each other. There's such an amazing... Uh encapsulation of the Democratic Party in that splintering in the way of the two thinkings that both have essentially the same goal, but not, um, yeah, tell me about that. It's just so. Yeah, uh, look, there's, um, there are the, de on the left, there are, are, are the Democrats uh, who think that change needs to be incremental um, uh, that you have to find a middle ground and that this, things are going to be done uh, uh, through compromise. And there's uh, a part of the Democratic Party that's tired of incremental change uh, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, wants some kind of revolution uh, to happen now. And 
those are represented by respectively Tom and Abby. Yeah, I mean, you know, in uh, to fast forward now, if these men were alive and it would be a few years back, one would be, you know, voting for Bernie Sanders and one would be voting for Joe Biden. And it's pretty clear uh, which oh, one is which. <laughs> absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, uh, and one would be saying defund the police and the other would be saying, couldn't you rebrand that, please? I know what you're talking about, but to everyone else, it sounds like you're talking about abolishing the police department. Yeah. Um, I wonder what you think. I mean, God, Abby didn't live to see this moment. I guess Tom didn't either. But I find Ta Abby's ending story that, you know, he committed suicide so, so sad. And um, do you think it maybe was um, someone who lost their purpose? And then I guess after that, I also want to talk about Sasha because, God, he's uh, really great in this as well. I'll say. Uh, listen, as far as Abby and his suicide go, uh, Abby had undiagnosed uh, bipolar disorder. So once that's in the mix, it's really hard to say, you know, what what other reasons uh, there may have been. Um, and uh, as far as Sasha goes, uh, yes, I, I agree. He's extraordinary uh, in the movie. Sasha was actually cast 14 years ago or 13, 12 years ago, whenever I turned in the first draft. Um, uh, Stephen cast Sasha and I got to meet with him back then. And then when Sasha got word that the movie was starting up again, uh, he got in touch with me to let me know I would not be considering any other actors that the role was still his. Um, and so I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, uh, he is, uh, he's as smart as you think he is. He's as funny as you think he is, though he's not someone who is on uh, all the time. Uh, he is very, very professional. He'd actually been studying Abby since college. Uh, when he was at Cambridge, whatever their equivalent of a senior thesis is, his was on uh, Jews and the Civil Rights Movement. Yes. And so, of course, he studied Abby Hoffman. Um, and, uh, you know, there's nothing like um, with Sasha seeing any any vestige of of clownishness just drained from his face um, uh, for a deadly serious moment like my life uh, uh, when he's in the press conference and he's asked uh, you know what's your prize for calling off the revolution um, uh, and suddenly. I, he doesn't move a muscle, but something happens to his face and his eyes. And when he says my life, yeah. um, uh, it, it lands incredibly well, just like his scene uh, on the stand. Um, uh, so he was he was nothing but a joy to work with. The whole cast really was. Uh, when, when I came to work in the morning, it it felt like somebody was tossing me the keys to a Formula One race car. And as long as I didn't put the car in the wall, these guys were going to win the race. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a whole murderous row of, of A-listers. One of my favorite scenes is the scene where um, Sasha and, and, and Eddie, or I guess Abby and, and Tom, they, they have their moment of, of reconciliation and, um, you know, the whole, that mm -hmm. sort of, uh, Abby's, Abby's turned on by the, 
the pronoun switch, the word that he leaves out there, that whole scene is just really terrific. Um, By the way, that's something else. Uh, O-U-R, our. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the pronoun that's left out. That's something that I would have only been able to get from Tom Hayden. Uh, oh, yeah. it, it wasn't anywhere else. And that was a pretty good thing to have. That's <laughs> detail because it completely changes the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't have that without that, right? Because it's so much. No, you don't have that right? without that. And uh, and I would uh, I would talk to Eddie uh, about that right. and how there needs to be just a piece of him buried down, a piece of Tom that believes he's responsible for the riot. Right, because he has that inner conflict of, yeah, yeah. Right, because he's not the one to ever start that. He would, he was be, he'd be the Joe Biden who would never want to start a riot. He would never want to have that on his name. It would, it's antithetical. No, to he wouldn't. Um, uh, he wouldn't. But he misspoke when he was at the microphone. First of all, he was too hot. He never should have taken the microphone. Dellinger begged him <laughs> to. Right. Um, uh, but. Uh, he said, if blood is going to flow, let it flow all over the, uh, the city. Um, instead of if our blood is going to flow, let it flow all over the city. That strikes me as such a critical moment in a person's life in the, in the kind of way that you, that's, that's your thing, isn't it? Like that, that's what you do. You find that, oh, and you like, like zoom in and like, we're making a meal of that. That just seems to suck. Oh, there's nothing better than finding that, oh, right. uh, uh, that you're talking about. Um, William Goldman, uh, who I, he took me under his wing when I was in my twenties and, and right. he died a few years ago and I miss him a lot, but he, he still teaches me without being here. He talks about, uh, as a screenwriter, he talks about having a secret. Uh, and, uh, when he was researching Butch and Sundance and he found out that the Sundance kid couldn't swim, uh, <laughs> he had that in his pocket. And he just knew if I could just get them to a cliff, get them to a cliff where there are rapids below, I will have a great scene. Wow. That's uh, that's not only amazing, it's amazing that you had the, the chance to have such a, a figure uh, as a man. Yeah, he was I'll the say. greatest, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, is he, would you say here he's your biggest screenwriting influence? Or your uh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, uh, the, the, I, I'm 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 heavily inf heavily influenced by uh, a number of screenwriters. Uh, you know, Patty Chayefsky, um, yeah. both both Mankiewicz's, uh, but uh, Bill Goldman. Uh, you know, even without knowing him personally, uh, uh, he was. Uh, a big influence. The films that he wrote, the nonfiction books that he wrote, like Adventures in the Screen Trade. <clears throat> but then uh, knowing him and, and sort of having him as a teacher, uh, it, it, without a doubt, he's my biggest influence. Um, and you have a, a family of lawyers who were, I, I assume, some kind, I mean, you, <laughs> courtroom dramas are very much the thing. Yeah, I, I am from a family of lawyers and, and, I, and I love courtroom dramas. Uh, all of the, uh, all of the ingredients of drama are, are laid out and organized perfectly, uh, in a courtroom. The intention and the obstacle, uh, is obvious. Um, the stakes, are, uh, are clear. The right. jury 
is a stand-in for the audience. The jury knows as little as the audience does. So exposition is, uh, is simple, uh, but mostly the dynamic between a lawyer uh, and a witness who's being cross-examined. Uh, is It's just an irresistible dynamic uh, for me anyway. Um, you've talked about in the past, like portrait versus photograph and in mm-hmm. and, and, and doing historical things. And, and can, how does that apply to this one? Like where, where does portrait, where does photograph, like how do you, how do you balance well, it? Uh, same as always. Uh, the, the trial itself lasted about five and a half months. Uh, actual trials uh, are not quite as entertaining as the ones in movies uh, and on television. Uh, so uh, writers need to do that. Um, people don't speak in dialogue, uh, um, writers do that. And, uh, it's, so it's, 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 it's not meant as a piece of journalism. Um, there's, I, I, the, I'll tell you the, the things that I stuck to that I wouldn't change where, where, where it is a photograph, uh, all of Bobby's exchanges with the judge uh, are directly from the transcript. Uh, it's I, I didn't want to mess with it because I felt it was sort of sacred text, but also you you couldn't write it better than that. Yeah, I suppose there's a there's a, a, a sensitivity to that as well. I guess at least it feels like it. It's such a it's such a momentous thing. Um, uh, I wanted to pivot quickly because I think we're running out of time, but. You've talked recently about a, a potential social network sequel. Is that real? <laughs> if, <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's so much going on now with Facebook. Um, I, it's, it's a bigger part of our lives even than it was when, uh, when I wrote the social network. Right. Um, uh, and in some kind of in dark ways. Sure. Uh, so uh, I, I think that there's a sequel out there. I just don't know if I have an idea for it. I mean, if you if you sat around and, and waited to see how that all pans out, you might, right? Like, uh, you're right about that. Yeah, and and you have a potential ally there in Sasha Baron Cohen, who's been an incredible critical voice of Facebook. He's been and, a very articulate, very yeah. strong voice um, uh, against uh, Facebook. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of him for that. I mean, it's really, um, it's funny because we were talking about him earlier and some people think of him as clownish, but he, as you, as you, you know, it's, uh, said, you know, he studied this stuff. He's very, he's very erudite. He's, uh, he's he, he, very, he's extremely erudite. He's also very serious about being a clown. Um, <laughs> you know, when, when he does Borat, uh, it, there's a purpose there, yeah. um, uh, but uh, but when he's Sasha, when he's not Borat or Bruno um, or Ali G, uh, he is an extremely uh, bright and thoughtful guy. Yes, very articulate. I guess I want to just ask quickly that he if he um, improvised at all. I mean, I, I would assume it's hard to improvise in one of your scripts, but it it is, uh, and he didn't. It's just uh, listen. Uh, there are writers and directors who I really admire who are virtuosos at carving out a space in a scene for really good improvisers to improvise, that they want the sound of that, that, that messiness. Um, uh, and they want what those actors 
can give them mm-hmm. when they're improvising. Uh, I have nothing but admiration of, as an audience member uh, of, for that. Uh, I'm not able to do that. There's a, uh, it, it, would, it would be weird if people suddenly started uh, ad-libbing. It would sound different from the rest of the movie. Right, right. Um, I just want to ask you really quickly about the Lucille Ball, Ricky Ricardo thing that you were working on. I, 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 I come in, that's coming along. I am pretty sure that I'm forbidden from talking about that. Um, there's going to be an announcement soon, very soon. Are you going to direct? Again, I don't. I can just picture that my publicist is is grating her teeth right now. Uh, uh, so I'm not going to say anything um, uh, about it. Uh, but I promise I will tell you all about it just as soon as they drop the green flag. Cool. Uh, thanks so much. Um, I really appreciate. I really appreciate it, man. Okay, take care. All right, that's it. Um, Thank you for listening to Deep Focus, um, uh, my podcast. Um, You're listening again to the editor-in-chief of theplaylist.net, Rodrigo Perez. Um, Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, A reminder that, um, as always, the... Uh, Deep Focus is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Discourse, The Fourth Wall, and The Playlist Podcast. Please subscribe to us, um, rate us, uh, give us comments, give us feedback, whatever you like. You know, we can be found on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, basically all places where podcasts can be found for the most part. Um, I suppose my low-key, uh, uh, vague-ish 2021 uh, New Year's resolution uh, will be to try and do more of these podcasts. There's another one coming up this week, or there was one by the time this lands, um, and I will hopefully do more. Again, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Um, Take it easy. Talk to you next time. Bye.